0: Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. Yes, another episode. Episode 407 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Currently just two meerkats, myself and Joe, expecting a third meerkat in the shape of Scott to come in at some point, but he's been having trouble connecting. So Joe has put his tech guy hat on rather than his UK correspondent hat and is busily trying to fix Scott's problem. In the meantime, Joe, just to prove you can double
1: task, how are you? All going well? Uh, Yeah, I'm up in Coventry at the moment, but staying with a friend and we're doing a lightning tour of many towns in the UK, seeing other friends that... Uh, I met during the pandemic on various video calls. Yeah. So it's, it's been great catching up with lots of people. And that As sounds like Scott joining us. It was okay. great. I mean, you, you talk to somebody over a video call once a week for two and a half, three years, and, and it's lovely to finally see them and catch up.
2: Mm.
0: And you look at them and say, you're much shorter than I thought you'd be or anything like
1: that. Uh, actually, we met someone last night. <laughs> And my friend I'm staying with went, oh, you're much shorter than I thought you would be. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but usually it's sort of only this bit of the body we get to see, so you, you've no idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. It looks like Scott's with
1: us. Scott, are you yeah, with us? I'm here.
2: I'm here. I Excellent. can hear you and everything like that. Can you hear me? Yes,
0: we can. Bring the microphone um, a little bit closer maybe or not. In the middle of dinner, Scott. You,
2: you're I'm in the middle of dinner, Yes. Okay, very good. I'll wolf this down quickly and I'll put it inside once we actually start filming.
0: All right. Well, we are filming. We're up and away, Scott.
2: Are we? (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's 7.34. We're four minutes into this podcast. So uh, you keep going there. Well, I won't bring you in until I really need you. (laughs) In the chat room, John is there and also James. G'day, James. How are things going in Sydney? Right. Um, let's look at the agenda. What are we going to talk about? Well, I promised you last week something positive, didn't I? I was a bit over the sort of negativity of everything we've been doing. I thought, well, let's try and get some good news. And, uh, let's mute Scott, shall we? Let's just – I'm going to mute yep. him until he, he's gone. So I thought, I'll try and look up some good news stories. And, you know, I just Googled good news – and there's a whole range of websites, like there's the Good News Network, the ABC has a Good News category, so does Nine News, there's a Positive News Society, and even the BBC has like a Good News topic category section. So a lot of these news sites, Joe.
1: And Gideon's has the Good News. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got about that one.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I'm surprised that wasn't on your list of hits.
0: It, yeah, I'm surprised as well. Maybe the algorithm has worked out, but right. showing me Christians. Mind you, I do go to a lot of Christian sites. So. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so yeah, there are these good news sites out there when you just want some good news rather than, you know, what's the latest in Gaza or, or other disasters around the world. And so the BBC was an interesting one. <clears throat> and I've got a – I'm just looking at a screenshot of the first – 16 articles on the BBC Good News category website. And of the first 16 articles, four of them, dear listener, are cat stories. (laughs) Cat missing since March, found 60 miles away. That's the top good news story. Number five, the cat that waits for train commuters. I assume it sits on a platform somewhere waiting for train commuters.
1: I was going to say, when I was at school, one of the lads who caught the bus with us, his cat used to wait at the end of the road every day for the bus to arrive and looked forlorn the day that he wasn't on the bus. So I picked it up and carried it down. It used to get up on his shoulder and walk back mm-hmm. with him. There you go. So there you go. It would have made the BBC news because Probably. at number
0: 15, missing cat found 140 miles from home, as opposed to the other one, which was only 60 miles. And... Bronze medallion to Sainsbury social media cat. This is the calibre of good news story that is out there, dear listener. What were some of the other stories? Lorry Driver thanks wife after his breast cancer. Beavers saved from drowning in storm drain. Oh, here's a good one. Naomi Campbell, the famous model. She's been honoured by Cambridge College. And there's a guy here who's nearly 80, Jimmy. Jimmy Cooper, and he's still working as a nurse. It's slim pickings, dear listener, on the good news front. I'm just going to have to revert back to sad news because <laughs> I can't delve into cat stories all day. Yeah. There we go. Watley sent a message during the week. He said the stock market is in the, to- is in the toilet, and he thought that was good news, the stock market going down. Maybe it is for our... For our economy.
1: Uh, it, it is if you shorted those stocks.
0: Mm, yes. Or just generally if you're not in stocks. Maybe it's good mm. that some of these valuations become more realistic. Anyway, here's a good news story. Happy Recreation Day for people in northern Tasmania for back on Monday, yesterday. Because northern Tasmania get a day off called Recreation Day. It was legislated in 1991, probably because Northern Tasmanians were sulking that Hobart got regatta day in February. So they are not celebrating anything in particular except having a recreation day. Well done, Northern Tasmania.
1: Should be renamed Cocaine and Hooker's Day, I think.
0: Mm. I think lots of Melbourne businesses close on a Monday before Melbourne Cup day anyway because people get a long weekend. I know the business that I work for does that.
1: Yeah, lots of – in France, quite a lot of public holidays for some reason, I think, fall on the Thursday from memory. And taking the Friday off is known as making the bridge. What, what so you, happens
0: on the Thursday? What, what
1: is I think it? the public holiday falls on a Thursday, and so people will take the Friday off to make a long weekend. Right. And, and, and it's so, so common that there's actually a phrase in French called making the bridge, which is where you bridge your day off <laughs> yeah. and the weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a bit of an art form for people maximizing their holidays and taking days off and all the rest of it. So, yes. Yeah. Anyway, there's a good news story Northern Tasmanians managed to have a public holiday for no reason at all, other than Hobart was getting one. So they got their own. Okay. Back to sad news, bad news, or just news. Reserve Bank today, Joe, decided to raise interest rates a quarter of a percent to 4.35%, which that, of course, forms the
1: basis of
0: housing loan rates. If the ordinary
1: people aren't hurting, then the economy's not doing well.
0: Yes. Well... The reason for it, of course, is that the Reserve Bank's mandate is to grab inflation by the balls and make sure it just doesn't happen.
1: That's its own purpose, the Reserve Bank. But but it doesn't do that by stopping actual inflation. It does that by (laughs) making poor people unemployed so they don't have any money to spend.
0: With the bluntest of roundabout implements, the only implement it has... It decides. Well, we'll just raise interest rates, which, of it, it, course, Joe, are come into the calculation of inflation. So, when you yes. raise interest rates, you automatically raise inflation because it is part of the basket of goods that go into measuring inflation. Well, yes, they keep raising interest rates and going. Why well, is this inflation going up? Well, the basket of goods includes interest as a component. Huh. You consumers out there have got it too good. And that's why we're raising interest rates. Because you consumers out there insist on on, buying things. On buying things. And according to the laws of supply and demand, your demand is so high that you are forcing prices higher. Therefore, we must raise interest rates on your mortgages which will cause you financial pain, so you'll stop buying stuff and therefore the prices of things will
1: go down. Look, look, you That's poor the people, theory. stop buying food and clothes and start buying investments instead. <laughs> is, is Scott back? No, he's still,
0: he's still out still.. No, okay. okay, he's still missing. So the problem with all that is it's assuming that inflation is caused by consumers having too much money and spending too much on stuff and causing prices to increase. If only it were that simple. And, well, before we even get onto that, you know, the whole point of the Reserve Bank being independent of government and its sole mandate being inflation and that the government not being able to do anything about it is completely Nuts. Like the interest rates in our community are a really important thing. And to leave that up to an independent body who is told your sole mandate is to control inflation and fucking don't worry about the rest of the economy. Your only metric that we're going to measure you by is inflation. But we're going to put you in charge of interest rates is just asking for trouble. So it's such a critical part of running an economy that the government should just take control of, of that policy and not just leave it up to a bunch of unelected guys because the government's role in society is not only to look after inflation but also look after unemployment levels, look after growth in the economy Look after the economy and the community as a whole, and therefore make decisions as to what's in the best interest of the overall Australian economy, not just one metric of you know inflation. So it's a completely nuts situation that we're in. But even if the situation we are in made sense. And you said, yeah, 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 it's a good idea. Let's put the Reserve Bank in charge of interest rates and let them look after inflation, and that's their sole job. And, oh, guess what? People are spending too much money, so raise interest rates. They don't spend as much. It's because it's people spending money that causes prices to go up. According to Ian Verenda at the ABC, if only it were that simple. Our annual growth is sliding. Take away the effects of our massive population growth Guys, there's a lot of immigration being happening.
1: You aware of that? All those filthy foreigners coming over here taking our jobs.
0: Lots of them coming
1: in.
2: It's not the filthy foreigners.
0: Apparently a lot of them are nurses. I think the highest category of intake is nurses.
1: It wouldn't surprise me.
0: Because there was a a meme I saw where Pauline Hanson was criticising the high immigration rate because it was putting pressure on our hospitals and lowering our wages. And the person was saying, well, the highest category of immigrant is actually nurses, which is going to help our health system and increase wages. But anyway, I've digressed. Take away the effects of our massive population growth, and you could argue we're in a recession. Household spending is waning. Building approvals are dropping. Saving buffers are in in decline. And wages growth has remained well below inflation. As for inflation, it's been dropping. It's now 5.4%, a steady rate since last December's 7.8%. And many of the things that have helped push prices high in the most recent September quarter were beyond the control of consumers. Rents have been soaring because of huge immigration program, while exorbitant lifts in power bills were pushed through during the quarter that will not be repeated in the next few quarters. Just remember that. Like, Consumers don't, through overspending, put up the price of power bills. That's not how it works. Petrol prices also soared. Like, people just have to fill up a tank of petrol when they have to fill up a tank of petrol. Like, you just do what you have to do. And it's not because of excessive driving by Australians, because they're feeling so well-to-do, that... Petrol stations have decided, oh, I reckon here's an opportunity to, to, to put up prices.
1: It's actually they just put them up to and see. we have to suck it up. But look at the look at the commuter car parks for the train stations
2: yes.
1: and see how busy they are. You can tell the cost of petrol by how many people are in a car park. <laughs> can you? You can. I'm not
0: joking. <laughs> what, if it goes up 20 cents, the car park's got more people in it? Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Well. Wow. I didn't know that. I'm not a commuter like that, so there we go. Um, so these are things beyond the control of consumers and raising interest rates is not going to have an effect in that way. Scott, what do you think? You're back on board with us now. You've finished your dinner. Your microphone's yeah. tuned on. I've had my rant about the Reserve Bank. Do you think they should have... Should there be a reserve bank holding control of interest rates with their only criteria being inflation, or should they...?
2: No, it shouldn't be their only criteria. It shouldn't be their only criteria. The the criteria was that they were to control inflation and also aim towards full employment. Now, their argument would be that we are at full employment right now, so inflation is the only boogeyman they've still got to slay. But they're using a very blunt instrument called interest rates to control inflation. Now, again, I found myself approving of what the Green member said, Max, whatever his name is. Mm. Uh, he was arguing for a super profits tax because, as he, as he pointed out, Coles and Woolworths have both just reported super profits at the same time they were jacking their prices up. The banks have all reported super profits at the same time as interest rates have gone up. So his argument was that if you actually put a tax on if you put a super profits tax on these companies, then you'd have extra money that you could then funnel in to reduce the impact of inflation on households. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure how we'd actually do that because you'd have to have it, you'd have to have it very heavily what's the what word I'm groping for? Not incentivized. Anyway, you'd you'd only pay out, you'd only pay out those people that really genuinely needed it, rather mm. than everyone. You'd have to you have just it, move the um, microphone
0: a fraction closer, please, Scott.
2: No okay. worries. You'd, mm. have to, you'd have to uh, you'd have to pay it out to any of those people that genuinely needed it, not everyone. So anyway,
0: well, well, I think I don't think they have a mandate of looking after full employment. It doesn't seem to me that all you ever hear from them is inflation, 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 and the whole. Oh, no. r- the whole point of raising interest rates is to cause unemployment. Mm-hmm. to reduce demand for consumer items
2: to thereby
0: lower prices. So, mm-hmm.
2: Which yeah. is one of those things, I think they have lost sight of their second and more important, more important thing was to aim for full employment.
0: Mm. Mm. Anyway, that's a situation we're in and we get situations like Government Services Minister Bill Shorten was asked about the Reserve Bank's upcoming decision on interest rates. And he acknowledged the Reserve Bank is independent of government, but said, I hope it stays static. So we've got a government unable to do things, just looking on as a reserve bank says, Well, we're going to raise interest rates, yet the government of the day seemingly can do nothing. Crazy. Well, in the lead,
2: sorry. One of those things you've got the you've got the federal labor government having Just done a review of the um, capital expenditure budgets and that sort of stuff of governments, and they're actually threatening to delay or potentially kill off some of the projects and that sort of stuff that are up here, haven't they?
0: I don't know. I haven't read it. So some capital okay. spending, yes, and been- capital
2: expenditure has been has been under the review microscope and that type of thing with the with the threat of them closing them down.
0: Oh, winding it back. Well, hmm. you know, there's not enough money around once you've spent. Once you've allocated nearly four hundred billion dollars to submarines, then there's nothing left. We'll be talking about submarines soon. Don't worry about that. Oh, Got some God more saying, stuff about not submarines. The
2: submarines again.
0: Yeah, more stuff about that. Just in the lead up to this talk about interest rates, we had the IMF, International Monetary Fund, who, with the World Bank, have caused all sorts of problems around the world, particularly in the global South, in my favourite part of the world, South America and Central America. And they did a report on Australia on the health of the Australia's economy prior to this interest rate rise, and they said that they called for sweeping policy reforms, including lower income taxes. Gosh, imagine that! International Monetary Fund calling for lower income taxes, a higher GST rate. So punish the poor. Punish the poor. Mm, Yes. Help state governments replace stamp duty with annual property taxes.
1: That was one of the calls from that economist who was talking about basically unearned rent was what it was called.
2: Mm. That's something the Grant Institute's been calling for too. Mm. I'm pausing
0: there because out of the three ideas so far, lower income taxes, high DST rate... (laughs) We've now moved into something that might actually make sense. Yep. Uh, Replacing stamp duty with an annual property tax, if it was high enough. The problem is this IMF was talking about raising the GST rate to help state governments replace stamp duty with annual property taxes, meaning (coughs) the new annual property tax would not be equal to the stamp duty. So they'd need a higher GST rate to make up the shortfall. Well, why not just make the new property tax sufficient to cover the lost stamp duty, would be what I'd say. Or even more, perhaps, and lower the GST rate. Anyway, and they also called for an economy-wide carbon price. That's what the IMF thinks we should do.
1: See, again, that's probably one of the few things that progressive mm-hmm. people would be cl- calling for. Mm-hmm. And actually, that makes sense. Yeah, you put a price on energy – or sorry, put a price on carbon and then use it to subsidise low-income households to make their their properties more efficient. Mm-hmm. So they're the using room, less energy.
0: In the chat room, Eric says, I like the IMF more when it was Tom Cruise and the Impossible Mission Force. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. Impossible Mission Force. Right. Yeah, so that was the IMF and the Reserve Bank. (sighs) Shall we move on to more positive topics like Gaza, perhaps? Well, we could do. Mm. I, I unfortunately... my daughter put me onto this guy, Sean King. who posts videos on Instagram of I think he started when Black Lives Matter started, and so he gets a lot of social media videos, and mm-hmm. he, of course, is just publishing lots of stuff coming out of the Gaza from people on the ground pulling you know bodies out of the rubble. It is just appalling what is going on there. It is unbelievable that it's happening and it seems like the Israelis are determined to commit one of the worst atrocities in human history, like a very knowing atrocity that they're committing here. Um, The victims of a terrible atrocity, the Jews, are just engaged in... Ah, something that's just going to go down
1: in history is one of the worst. It's it's, it's what, not looking good, and it's probably what Hamas were hoping for. Hmm. It's almost certainly the aim of their attacks was to draw a disproportionate response that was going to innocent sorry injure innocent people in the middle, caught in the crossfire.
0: I did read something that Hamas was pissed that Saudi Arabia was starting to. Cozy up to Israel in certain ways and
1: yeah,
0: in order to generate sympathy from their Arab neighbours and this was one of the tactics as mm-hmm. part of that. Possible? Mm. Yeah. So as Caitlin Johnston says, it is the most 2020s thing in the world that they're... There's an active genocide currently underway and it's people who oppose it who are being called Nazis. Uh, I agree there, the sort of Orwellian doublespeak that is going on in our world over all sorts of issues just flabbergasts me.
1: But there's also been quite a lot of anti-Jew rhetoric. So, so it's not just uh, Jews out of Israel, it has mm. been kill all the Jews. Mm. Yeah, th- there is there is no right side in this. Nope,
2: no, there's it's a mess. Mm. You know they've got that those protesters and that sort of stuff. They're out the front of the opera house and that sort of stuff. That's how signs saying "gas all Jews." Yes, mm. you know that sort of thing. Now that's that does nothing for their cause. Yeah, mm. their cause is quite just, but when they actually say stuff like that, no one's listening to them. Mm.
0: There's a guy called Mario Cavallo who wrote, wow, people hate me for this simple straight question. Just answer it, yes or no. If the bad guys who murdered your wife and kids were hiding in one of the apartments of a 30-storey apartment building with 500 people in it in your city, would you tell the police to blow up the entire building to get the bad guys?
2: <laughs> <laughs> a similar analogy. He's got a point. It yeah, is very similar analogy, yeah. He's it's got a very, very good point. Yeah.
0: Luckily for the entire region, Scott Morrison and Boris Johnson have landed on a bit of a tour. Haven't these people suffered enough, I ask you? <sighs> ScoMo said. Bo- Bojo
2: and Skomo are on a world tour, are they?
0: Yeah, they're in Israel. And uh, just putting on flak jackets and helmets and wandering around handing out opinions. And guess what? They're kind of pro-Israeli. Funny that. Scomo in particular, being Pentecostal, I'm sure, needs the rapture, needs Israel to be in charge of Jerusalem for his rapture purposes. I mean, it was under Scomo that we decided that
2: Jerusalem would be
0: the Israeli capital or something like that. yeah. Yeah
2: it was something that he he planned on he planned yeah. he moved moving the uh embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Mm. I don't think he actually ever went through with it but he certainly did raise it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think Trump did that at the same time. Yeah, mm. Trump all did
2: the,
1: it before. Yes. The, before Obama did. All the evangelicals really really want it. They want war in the Middle East.
2: I yes. know they do. Yeah. They do.
1: Yes, and they
0: want Israel winning, the Jews winning, so they control Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Is that somehow connected with the then? The the return return of Christ, yes. Yeah, the return of Christ, yes. Which sounds nuts, but it's so much of what's driving American thought on this whole thing. ScoMo said, do you provide a pause and a ceasefire to allow Hamas to regroup? to get themselves in a position to resist even further? I mean, this is the play from Hamas, and we've got to be careful not to be suckered into it, meaning no ceasefire as far as ScoMo is concerned. And from his side of politics as well, James Patterson, Shadow Home Affairs Minister, argued against a ceasefire saying Israel's removal of Hamas was legitimate military objective a ceasefire would just
1: allow our mass to regroup and um yeah i'd I'd yeah. heard England and Australia had sent a clown show across to entertain everybody yes with with, with scomo bojo
0: yes scomo and bojo yeah ah what a mess. no resolution there and um hmm Trump came across. I came across some polling. He, so he was is, in trouble yesterday. Yes, he's been in one of his court cases. Yes. This is the one where they are accusing him of overvaluing properties for getting loans. Yes, and then undervaluing them when it came to paying tax. That's it. And I think it's the state of New York is saying. That they want him banned from business in New York.
1: Yeah, they want and, to revoke his license. I think.
0: And the case is at the point where basically the judge has already found that he is guilty of doing that, and it's now just a matter of assessing what the penalty will be.
1: I, I thought they've, it was they—they've assessed. Uh, they've assessed that the company did it, but they've not found out who in the company was responsible.
0: Ah, okay, that could be the case. Yeah. So the really weird part in this one is Trump has got an got an in for the judge's associate. Yeah,
2: he really went to town on Earth, didn't he? It was so, explained to me in a, in a podcast I was listening to this afternoon. It was the Scathing Atheist or someone like that. They were saying that Trump had been gagged and that sort of stuff from levelling any sort of threats or complaints or anything like that. But he realized that the, his lawyers weren't actually gagged. So he got his lawyers to level the complaints about the judge's associate. And then the judge actually turned around and said, No, you're all gagged now because this is ridiculous. So. Yeah.
1: But also and- on the stand, apparently he was reined in for. Uh, for oh, some yeah. Of this- yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the exact language. It was beautiful legal language and that sort of stuff. But this judge really went to town on him. Yeah. Yeah. Told him to shut his mouth. So, so the and judge's associate,
0: said, dear listener, is just the judge's assistant,
2: who hmm.
0: is, is often just a recent graduate who's thinking one day they might become a barrister, and is just sits next to the judge and hands them papers and stuff. Like they're not a they're not a participant in these things at all. But I think Trump found that this associate had been on social media had appeared in some sort of anti-Trump rallies or, or something that indicated the associate was not a Trump fan and that's been enough for him to go to town. But, it, you know, it, they're above a bailiff, but their influence on proceedings is is zero and he's just fixated by this associate.
1: Because yeah. he knows he's going to lose the case and yep. he wants any possible... This was the only thing he could find to throw mud to pretend mm. that it wasn't a, a valid case. Mm. And the judge's gag
0: order was pretty, pretty, a pretty good one, which basically said, okay, you can say I'm biased or things about me as a judge, I don't care, but you just can't attack the court staff like my associate or the bailiff or the prosecutors or their families because when you start attacking them, your crazy people go and find out where they live and start
2: and kill them. Yeah.
0: firebombing their cars. So... It was a pretty well thought-out gag order that really allowed him to complain about corruption in the court system if he wanted to, but just not to to tackle
1: to to, to, innocent, to make it a personal thing. Yes,
0: yes, against people whose jobs are just fairly menial jobs in the in the whole system. So, quite all that, still going unbelievably well. So, I've got some stuff here from a CBS News poll, YouGov survey, and the margin of error on this is 3.3% on anything I'm about to tell you here. So, people were asked, will you be financially better off, financially worse off, or stay about the same if Biden wins or if Trump wins and defeats him in an upcoming election? And... 45% 45% think they'll be better off if Trump wins. 18% think they'll be better off if Biden wins financially. And financially worse off, 48% if Biden wins, if Trump wins, 32%. And about to stay the same to make up the difference. So essentially, there's a significant majority of people in America who think they will be financially better off if Donald Trump beats Biden in an upcoming presidential election, and in terms of the chances of a, of the us being in a war, a substantial majority think it's more likely that the US will be in a war if Biden wins. I think they're right about that actually. I mean Trump previously wasn't disposed to using the military overseas. He wants to keep them in America so he can use them for himself as part of some insurrection-type thing that might happen. And Israel, they felt that Biden would, is, uh, would support Israel too much compared to Trump. And when it came to Russia and the Ukraine, if Biden wins, they think Biden will support the Ukraine over Russia. If Trump wins, they think Trump will support Russia over the Ukraine. And in the final one, the one that counts, choice for president, 48% Biden, 51% Trump. He is the favourite at the moment. Still,
2: despite everything, it's quite incredible, isn't it? I find that really bizarre. We've been saying it for months
0: that all of these surveys are showing him in front.
2: Yeah, know. It's just Joe Biden is too old. He is far too old to be still running, you know. And uh, Kamala Harris hasn't set the world on fire with her, with her performance. So, uh, I don't know. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. It is one of those time. things that, Yeah, it is one of those things that I hope that what's her name, the former vice president's daughter.
0: Former vice president. Evang- oh,
2: yeah. Most what was daughter. his name? Uh, Mike the, Pence's daughter. No, the former vice president under George oh, W. Ch- Cheney. Was it is Cheney? Is that the one? Anyway, uh, whatever he is whatever his name is, his daughter was his daughter was booted out and that sort of stuff when she was because she actually voted to impeach Donald Trump, and she mm. went up against uh, an absolute nutter from the right and that sort of stuff. Liz Cheney. Thank you, Alison. I hope that she actually runs on her own ticket to split the to split the Republican vote. You know, because that would actually you know, I, I really do hope that she runs and she runs as hard as she can, she will lose, but I think that I think that's one way that she could guarantee Donald Trump would never be president again. Because that would split the Republican vote, it would give Biden a clean run. So anyway. Mm. What a miss. Marianne Williamson.
0: Mm.
2: Eric V is telling us. Yeah, it talks the about MP. Marianne
0: Williamson, anyone. Don't, don't know who she who is. is she? Um, yeah. Don't know. But there you go, a divided country, a lot of mixed up people. Um, We're a divided country here. Just mm. as an aside, one of the arguments in The Voice was Indigenous people know what's best for them. And I just think... Australia voted in Scott Morrison. Did we know what was best for us at that time? 51% of no, Americans want to vote in Donald Trump. Do they know what's best for them at the time? People don't necessarily know what's best for
1: them. Well, uh, no, no, but we're always better off under a right-wing politician than a left-wing politician because they give us tax cuts, and that's the only yeah. thing that impacts our the money in our pocket. Yes, yeah. Hey, we've got a new patron,
0: Lloydberg, signed up. I think Lloydberg might have been an old patron who's returned. I'm not sure. But thank you, Lloydberg, for signing up as a patron. It's easy to do, dear listener. Look at the show notes in your app and you'll see a link. And get onto Patreon and make a donation. That would be much appreciated. Now, I threaten to do this and talk about submarines because it's been a while. And if you were to do a word search on the show notes on this podcast. Submarines would be one of the words that shows up the most. And I've got some more information about submarines. So this is from David Shoebridge writing in the Saturday paper. And and he says, Australia's defence force should be focused on defending Australia, not threatening our neighbours. This seems obvious, but is actually a contentious statement based on the conclusions of Australia's most recent defence strategic review that adopts the goal of Australia being able to engage in impactful projection against countries to our far north. So our basic defence strategic review is wrong because rather than focusing on defence of Australia, it wants to project impactfully to our far north anyway. At the centre of all this, of course, is the $368 billion AUKUS submarine deal to give us nuclear submarines and project our military force 4,000 kilometres north into the South China Sea. So that's not about protecting Australia. It's about threatening China. That's what these submarines are about. Now. Even on its own terms, if that was a good idea, then the deal, the AUKUS submarine deal, even if you accept that it's a good idea to project power 4,000 kilometres away, this particular deal is such a dog of a deal, it's incredible. So he returned from a trip to Washington where he was talking with insiders and they agreed that he could use the information but without quoting them. So he was in Washington speaking to leading experts under the Chatham House Rules. You guys ever heard of the Chatham House Rules before?
2: Yeah, you go and you talk to them and that sort of stuff, but you can't actually say the exact quote or something like that outside of
0: that. You're free to use the information received, but neither the identity nor the affiliation of the speaker may be revealed. So you can say what you heard, but you just can't say who told you. Mm-hmm. There we go. So... So this is uh, David Shoebridge in America, talking to people, and we're going to squander our wealth, we're going to antagonise our neighbours, we're going to invite further escalation from China, and we're going to get a highly speculative and marginal military asset. And so we're supposedly acquiring eight nuclear submarines. The first three to five of these submarines are meant to be Virginia-class submarines purchased from the U.S., The last three to five submarines that make up the eight-boat fleet will be AUKUS SSN nuclear submarines built in Adelaide from a yet-to-be-finalised British design. So that's the deal as we know it at the moment. Three to five from the US, three to five UK-designed Adelaide-built subs. So the ones that we're getting from the U.S. Are supposed to arrive in the 2030s with the next seven boats coming over the following 25 years. The problem is <coughs> the U.S. doesn't have enough subs. Mm. They're running short. They don't have enough and they can't build them quick enough. So five submarines from the U.S. represents about 10% of their total attack class submarine fleet. And while they've got plans to build two submarines a year, their current capacity is stretched at 1.2. So by the early 2030s, the US is going to be 20 boats short of its targeted fleet size. And that's supposedly at the time they're going to hand over to us five of <laughs> a few submarines. Hmm. There's no way they're going to do it. And... In order to do it, they would have to increase their production from 1.2 boats a year to 2.2 boats a year, but there is no plan or spending commitment to make this a reality. So there's a hazy commitment from us to give three billion dollars to the US to help them with their shipbuilding. Anyway, it's not going to address the shortfall. So they're just not going to have the subs to give us, and in the 2030s, whoever's in charge, and we say, oh, we had this deal with Joe Biden back in early 2020s where we'd get these submarines and we'd like them now, please. Who knows who's in charge at that time is going to say, fuck off, we need these subs. You're not mm. having them. And what do we do then?
1: It's going, to, it's going to be not junior. Ha-
2: yeah, then we go plus cap plus. in hand. Then we go cap in hand to the Japanese and say, "Well, will you provide us with twelve submarines at one billion dollars each?" And They'll say, "Yes, we will."
0: We'll be going cap in hand to the Chinese, asking them for subs the at the rate we're going to be going. Uh, bear in mind, U.S. attack submarines currently requiring maintenance is almost double the historical average, running at about thirty-seven percent of their fleet. These things are in the dock a lot of the time. So that was that, 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 that. Assuming against all odds, the politics come good and the boats are delivered, what will be the military impact? Sometime in the 2040s, we might have at most maybe five Virginia-class nuclear submarines the standard Virginia-class nuclear submarine has the capacity to carry up to 12 Tomahawk cruise missiles with a few torpedoes. Taking into account crew rotation, maintenance and transit times, even with a maximum fleet of eight submarines, the best-case scenario for 2054 will see two or three of those in the South China Sea at any time. So that's realistic. Even if we've got the whole <coughs> contingent of eight submarines based on maintenance, crews, etc., maximum we'll have is two to three in the South China Sea. Yep. So what are we bringing to a conflict? 24 or maybe 36 Tomahawk missiles with 450 kilogram conventional warheads. Each such warhead is enough to destroy a moderate-sized building or potentially sink a ship. And once the missiles are fired, the submarines need to return to Australia to restock before they can, weeks later, return to the conflict. Who in their right mind would spend $368 billion to deliver 36 bombs
1: to a fight? Well, so the and <clears> Hawks <throat> don't have to carry conventional munitions. Right. Oh,
0: that's we're going to... Put nuclear weapons on them. We we could, yeah. Because once we those. once we've got the capability, we to once yes. we got the capability, we could. Yes, and that's what we would want to do. Possibly engage in a nuclear war. <laughs> who to put it in who perspective, knows what the underlying says, strategy is? He says here to deliver thirty-six bombs to a fight. To put it in perspective, that's less than the payload of a single B fifty-two bomber.
2: Hmm.
0: I mean, if we wanted to drop nuclear bombs, we could we could put them in a B fifty two bomber, I guess. You know, Hiroshima, Nagasaki style.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to get one of those to China. Yeah, it's proving at, at three hundred
0: sixty eight billion to get thirty six. That might get. It's not that easy either. It's a. So this is the interesting part, dear listener, that we haven't explored before, is just the limited amount of sort of missile power that you get for your, your submarine as well. So they're great for knocking out ships that are coming to attack you, but their value in terms of landing bombs on China's mainland is limited.
1: Landing special forces, on the other hand, is another thing that's Mm. done from submarines. Yeah, but that wouldn't be. That would be special forces rather than a. Oh, absolutely. You're not going to carry an army across the sea in that. Yeah.
0: Do we want special forces landing on the shores of China to start running around?
2: It depends. What? it depends. We would to deliver special forces to mainly in China, or as- No, I'm just saying if you are involved in a scrap and that sort of stuff, then you could actually have to de- You could actually have to deploy special forces, and perhaps the best way to deploy them is off a submarine. I'm not actually advocating. It, I'm <laughs> just saying that it could be the it could be a solution so, for so delivering well, special forces d- d- to during a the mm.
1: during the Falklands. They landed special forces in Argentina to mm. provide advance warning of air attack. And Mm. so, if there was a Taiwan war, um, it's possible that they'd want intelligence assets on mainland China giving advance warning of incoming strikes. Mm.
0: (sighs) Do we need a nuclear powered submarine to deliver the special forces? If you need to, to we could put a mini-old slow moving sub, couldn't
2: we? (laughs) If you needed to get out of Australian waters and you need to get up to China, then, yes, you would actually need a nuclear-powered submarine because they don't actually have to refuel. Are we
0: seriously so, saying it's a valuable contribution of a nuclear-powered submarine to I'm deliver not special not forces valuable, to China? I'm not
2: saying it's a valuable contribution. I'm just simply putting out that, you know, it could actually come back to be something that you could actually use them for. I'm not actually suggesting it's a good idea. I'm just saying that they, they could actually have a use. hmm Mm.
0: Anyway, that's the latest on subs. Mm-hmm. You're up to speed, dear listener, on subs.
2: You know, Underwater, essential possibly. Lord Don, <laughs> essentially, Lord Don has done something there. He says, you know, they could probably find an ally, allied base to, closer to them. So they, they wouldn't necessarily have to restock in Australia. They could probably find an allied base closer to them. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, is very true. They, they could probably just go down to the Philippines, pick up some yeah. more Tomahawk cruise missiles and return to the fight. Yeah. Or they could go back to Taiwan to pick up Tomahawk cruise missiles. I don't yeah. know.
0: And, you know, while they're there, it's not like the Chinese would fire on them in the Philippine dock while they're getting reloaded. It wouldn't happen.
2: Would it? They could well like- do that. They could well do that. It all depends on whether or not the Philippines gets involved in the war. If the Philippines is a neutral country and that sort of stuff, then if just, they...
0: If we're restocking, then they're involved. Like, Yeah, they could be. Anyway, it's a, such an enormous amount of money being wasted on such a stupid deal, and this goddamn Labor government agreed to it within 24 hours of being told by ScoMo and were proud of themselves for their bipartisan mm. support. of they Scott Morrison... It, 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 could,
1: it could be worse. They could have supported the Stage 3 tax cuts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they did it just longer than 24 hours.
1: Yes. yes.
2: They did actually support the Stage 3 tax cuts only because the coalition wouldn't actually split the bill. So they had to, they had to actually vote for the bill in its entirety, the whole lot, Stage 1, yeah. 2 and 3 tax cuts. <laughs> they could have so, said when we yeah. come
0: into power, we will get rid of them. But they did not
2: I agree they should have done that, but they didn't because they tried to make themselves a small target.
0: Yeah. Right. There was uh, a review into alcohol in the Northern Territory and Professor Marcia Langton has called for uniform alcohol restrictions across the Northern Territory to help reduce rates of domestic, family and sexual violence. So she says we need to restrict alcohol access across the entire Northern Territory an absolutely necessary public health measure to reduce domestic violence. You have to have alcohol restrictions in place at all times, no exceptions, not just in Aboriginal communities. Otherwise, grog runners will exploit the system. And she suggested a permit system could be implemented which is already in place across some remote areas in the Northern Territory, allowing responsible drinkers to consume alcohol. Gentlemen, what do you think about a sort of blanket alcohol ban in the Northern Territory, except if you've got a permit and you're allowed to drink because you're responsible? (sighs) I'm actually not okay with it.
1: it. No, no, I'm okay with it. I I think I, I, I don't see a problem with us bringing in drinking restrictions for people. I know people will not Appreciate it, but if you said it's a two drink a day, which is the safe drinking limit, if you're drinking more than that, and I I don't know whether these will be transferable, whether you can build them up for a weekend, Mm. I I would say the vast majority of people aren't going to hit that. The people that are going to get hit by that are alcoholics. I Um, think if you
0: have the permit, you're probably just allowed to. Buy the drink for yourself and as much as you want. But
1: um, so, if you're a problem drinker, your permit gets revoked. Looks like it.
2: <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. Okay. And so, know, the, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to find out from the cops who the problem drinkers are? Are they? I don't know. If
0: you get drunk, for, if you
2: get done for drunk and
0: disorderly, you you lose your permit. Yeah. Perhaps I don't know yeah. how and it works.
2: Are, are they going to put the
1: health resources in place to deal with people who have a problem and are using alcohol to hide, mask, whatever the problems that they've got, put the mental health services in place so these people don't turn to drink. No. Because all they're going to do is abuse other things. Yes. And, and that's so the no, problem. That might, if, yes. you t- if you take alcohol away, all they're going to do is turn to other things to get yes. drunk or to get high.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Because because generally people who do this are escaping something. Yeah, something shitty has happened in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If you're interested um, in drug addiction, do you listen
0: read just chasing the screen?
1: Yeah, there's there's some questions about mm. how um, truthful he was in some of his interviews. <laughs> mm. uh, but I think the premise is good if you mm. just keep in mind that everything, not everything you read may be factual.
0: Mm. So, anyway.
1: That was Marcia Langton, and Mm. uh, uh, find out more detail about that and see what happens. The the other question is what happens? Do you get grog smugglers just coming in from Queensland and WA instead? Yes. How they police that,
0: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. United Nations resolutions. So... I think we spoke last week about the resolution that was proposed... For a ceasefire? For a Mm. ceasefire, and Australia was one of the ones that abstained because the resolution didn't have enough words in it saying that Hamas were the bad guys. There wasn't enough context for it. There was another resolution demanding the end to sanctions against Cuba. And the vote was 187 to 2, demanding an end to sanctions by the United States against Cuba. Dear listener, two guesses <laughs> on which countries voted against the resolution. Well, and one, one of them, of them <laughs> was the USA because they're the guys implementing these sanctions.
1: Given that you're bringing it up, the other one must be Australia. No. No,
2: Israel. Israel. Ah.
1: And there was one abstainer. Abstention, and that was Ukraine. And that was Ukraine. So, so the people who are beholden to the US for weapons. Correct. 187 to 2,
0: demanding the end to sanctions against Cuba, voting against USA and Israel. Abstaining the Ukraine.
1: That tells you everything.
0: There. You yep.
1: Well, yeah. I don't blame. I don't blame Israel and Ukraine. It's like dirty Cubans. They don't need their... No, their no, no. Say so
0: bad. Right.
1: I, 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 I don't blame I, them because they're in the middle of wars and they want ammunition. And if that's yes. the price, then it's a small price. Yes.
0: Just a vote at the UN. Yeah, Mm.
2: Yeah.
0: right. This will be an interesting one, Scott. The Greens say they will introduce an effective rent freeze across Brisbane by enacting massive land rates increases for any property investors who increase the rent. So uh, if you put up the rent, we'll put up your rates says Jonathan Shree, and it would run for two years and it would require landlords to keep rents below the January 2023 levels. And if you don't, say, if you increase the rental, then the rates will be 750% of the standard rates bill, so 7.5 times your normal rates bill, if you put up the rent. So examples cited by the party include a hypothetical CBD unit. (coughs) With a $1,500 a year rates bill, a $50 a week rent increase would bring $26,000 a year in extra income but would result in an extra $9,750 in additional land rates. So clearly a landlord just wouldn't do it. Scott, what do you think of a as a potential Greens voter in a council election in Brisbane? Are they saying no, freeze I rents, don't. otherwise seven and a half times the rates.
2: I don't vote. In, I don't vote for Brisbane councils or anything like that because I live in Mackay. Mm. It's one of those things. I just think that the Greens are actually desperately to try and get their uh, they're trying to get their rent freeze across and that type of things so they've actually. They're actually targeting each of the elections and that type of thing that they're going for. Now, mm. does Councilor Shre- does what's his name Shri have any chance of winning? Probably not. So he can he can go out and he can he can say all this sort of crap now and that sort of thing, and he won't actually have to deliver on it. It's one of those things. I just think to myself that the whole lot is a it's a lot of puff and bluster more than anything else. Do I actually agree with it? No, I don't. You know, it's one of those things, a rents increase and that type of thing, you can't actually blame a, you can't actually only blame a landlord for increasing rent. Rent is a, rent is a cost of renting a place and that mm-hmm. is determined by the market more so than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Now, I know they can say that, they know that they can say that, oh, well, they're the ones that are increasing the rent, which they are, I've got no doubt about that. But you can't actually then come down and clobber them by saying, well, you know, you get 750 to, 750% of the rates. You know, and and what's, to, have they actually say anywhere there that they were going to, you know, if it was an increase of rent on 2023 prices, was it, or 2022 mm, prices, mm. or 2020 prices? We're
0: freezing it at January 2023
2: levels. For how long? Two years, was it? Hmm. Yeah, I'm so not convinced. It. Is, I'm not convinced of it.
0: What we've got is a federal level of government that has provided tax incentives for property investors. And now we've got a different level of government trying to reverse those incentives with sort of penalties to disincentivize property investment. So it's I, I, a band-aid solution to other issues is what and
1: I'm the, looking at. It is. The, the, the cons- so, so there's diff- two different uh, three – three inputs, I would say, to your cost of a rental. One is the cost of the mortgage that's underlying it. Mm-hmm. One is the cost of the maintenance of the unit. And one is profit. And the problem is, at the moment, the profit is a larger component of the cost of the rental than the other two. Mm-hmm. So, so you need to be able to allow landlords to service their mortgage and to provide adequate maintenance, because otherwise, what will happen is you'll end up with a load of slumlords.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. So, so how do you? It, it's less around the first two costs because controlling the overall cost is a blunt tool. It, it's really the profits that you need to be looking at, and whether these people are. Paying off the mortgages more quickly than expected, or whatever it is. What, what do you guys think previously of other moves by local councils to either
0: increase rates if the property was vacant, or increase rates if it was an Airbnb
1: situation? I think that's fine.
2: If the property is vacant most of the time, or you know, because you know, is it is it going to be affecting people that got weekenders or not? Because your it, place down the coast mm, would be a, would be considered to be vacant, wouldn't it, for most of the time?
0: You use three days a week. So okay,
2: three days a week, mm, then you probably get, you probably get away with it. Mm, so it's mm, one of those things. So mm, that would be that would fall under the under my definition of a weekender. Mm, so if weekenders were if weekenders were subject to an increase in rates, then I'd be opposed to that. Mm, Do I really have a problem with Airbnbs and that sort of stuff? Not really. You know, it's well. well but the,
0: the, it's some like, well, communities, for example, their teachers, their essential service people, were finding it really difficult to rent in the community because there was no long term rentals available.
1: It was all Airbnb'd.
2: And, mm. but, so- but
1: also, weekenders. If you, if you were a teacher in Coolangatta, mm. how easy is it to get a? a a, a unit that is a reasonably reasonable travelling distance, because of all of the mm. Brisbane people who have a weekender down there. I know in the Sunshine
0: Coast, it's been very difficult for teachers. Yep. Say you're a young graduate teacher trying to find a rental on the Sunshine Coast. I know it's been it's very virtually difficult.
2: impossible. Mm.
1: But but it, how many of those are Airbnb and weekenders, and how many of those are just? retirees from Melbourne and Sydney who've come up for the the better life. I don't know. I can understand the social
0: desire of the council to say we need to be massaging our property mix here so that we so our essential people can live here and if this is the only tool we've got, it's the only tool we've got, like I sort of get it from that point of view.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a society is poorer mm. if if you don't have a mix of people living in an area, if your essential workers have to travel large distances, that financially impacts them because they then have to pay travel costs and they lose time away from family mm. just in the commute. So I, I think it, it, it makes sense to have a varied demographic inside an area. Mm. And if you have to do it by blunt instruments like rates increases, it's probably not the best answer, but how else do you do it?
0: Mm. Anyway, when it comes to uh, Councillor Shri and the Brisbane City Council and whacking up rates 7.5 times the normal rate, if you've increased the rent, really, it's a... In that situation, you're just trying to do a rent freeze, which is eh, more a state government or a federal government issue, but it'll be interesting to see how things pan out over the next election. There's La- a La- lot of grief in the in the young community over rent and property prices, and there'll be a lot of sympathy for the Greens' position, whether at least talking about these things.
1: Landon's just made
0: a comment. Oh, has he? uh, uh Profits on rentals are not as amazing as many people think they are. They are great if you own the property for 20 or 30 years, but that's not every landlord's position. That would be true when people have paid top dollar for a rental. Um they might be might have paid on the basis that they either needed an exactly. Airbnb <laughs> style of 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 income Return. or yeah, yep. Yeah. It's one of this those things problem, like if, if, really if they have to,
2: if they have- if they had to, re- if they had to buy it and that sort of stuff, they borrowed it. with borrowed it with borrowed money. They had depending, eighty percent of that would be lined, which they'd yeah. be getting charged interest on and everything else. So, <sighs> it's, it's
0: really hard to wind back this situation of when we've reached overinflated property levels.
2: Oh yeah, you really hard to
0: wind it back
2: now. And that is why I was very, mm-hmm. that's you know why I was taking Liam to task over that because mm-hmm. if you actually. If you actually engineer a decline in rental, in value of property, then you end up engineering a failure in our economy.
0: Uh, but to the Greens' credit, federally, they were looking at phasing. If you recall, the changes to yeah, I know. tax was going laws to be phased in was over quite the next... clever, really, mm. and I'm in agreement with it. It was about phasing out that 50% capital gains and and phasing out some of the tax deductions over time, so that that was clever by the Greens federally.
2: Oh, yeah, I know <laughs> so. it's one of those things. Are they going to replace that? Are they going to replace that with the old mm. way of calculating capital gains tax or not? I can't.
0: Were remember they just what going it was, to
2: do it? Or were they just going to phase it down so you end up paying hundred percent of the profit on I, the tax?
0: Yes, I think the fifty percent discount was phased out over. Five to ten years, whatever it was.
2: So, hmm. so was that replaced? To, that was that then replaced with the old system in calculating capital gains or not?
0: I can't recall.
2: Yeah,
0: but
1: yeah, yeah. I'm um, anyway. talking of Airbnb, by the way, mm. we rented a place in Manchester last week. the The cost was one hundred and forty eight pounds, but then include on top of that was a sixty pound cleaning fee and a thirty two pound <laughs> service fee. <laughs> So so it went so- from £150 to £240.
2: <laughs> is that a nod, yeah. is it? Yeah.
1: So uh, it, it's just, you know, yeah. I, I wonder about Airbnb and uh, yeah. what profits people are making.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: But, because you go, oh, this is the rental price, and then suddenly the rental price isn't the, the, the cost you pay. Yes. Mm. There we
0: go. James in the chat room says, too many people are using housing as an investment. That is what the stock market is for. Couldn't agree with you more, James. Just have to change the rules. Right. Well, I reckon that's enough, gentlemen. Keep some of these topics for next week, particularly gender pay gap, et cetera. That'll do us. So, gender um, pay gap doesn't exist. Yeah. So, Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. Are you around, Joe? Are you going to be near an internet connection and a computer next week?
1: I believe I am. I'm travelling back down to Devon on Sunday. So, yeah, I should be around Tuesday morning my time. Right. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I'll be
0: here. Okay. You'll have finished your dinner before... <laughs>
2: Well, I finished my dinner, and the reason why I had to go is because with my MS, one of the holes in my brain is uh, is in the part that controls your swallowing, uh-huh. and I was trying to eat too quickly, uh-huh. and I got some food stuck in my throat, so I had to go away okay. and, there you go, vomit it up. So it wasn't very pleasant. Anyway,
1: <laughs> I'm glad we muted you.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Right, dear listener. Thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye for now.
2: And it's a good night from me.
1: And it's a good night from him. Good night. Dear listener, not too long ago, you looked at your podcast app and saw that a new episode of the Iron Fist and Velvet Glove podcast was available to download. Did you silently think to yourself, Great, a new podcast. I like listening to those guys. If so, then you qualify as a potential donor to the podcast. Your donation will help cover some expenses, but more importantly your donation tells the boys that they are on the right track and to keep up the good work. A dollar a show is all they ask. Go to their website at ironfistvelvetglove.com.au and click on the donations link.
2: Yeah. One fifth in a vibe with love No shit